The gospel reading for today is from John 20, verses 19 through 31, and that can be found on page 1077 in Pew Bibles. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God, Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing this, you may have life in his name. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Well, good morning. Um, I'm only up here for a short time this morning because I, um, I'm going to invite you to come up and share your stories of how God has been working in your life. If you notice the last uh, passage that, that, that Becca read there was John saying, these things have been written so that you may believe that who Jesus is. John simply wrote what he saw. He gave his testimony of what he experienced with Christ. And he told us, God uses our testimonies to encourage one another, to tell of his gospel, and to bring others to him, to draw others to himself. Scripture is just full of testimony, full of stories of God's people telling of what God has done. I'm looking at Psalm 66 this morning. I'm just going to read this. And we're going to see three different ways, real briefly, of how God uses his creation to declare his glory. First of all, we see in, in verses 1 through 7, Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name. You see, this starts off on the big picture. The earth, all creation, praising God. 
and saying what wonderful, mighty works God has done. We see this in God's creation. I mean, we'll go through Forest Park, holy cow. Go through Forest Park the last few weeks and just see the amazing, amazing colors, the amazing beauty that God just bursts out every single year on time. His order, declaring his praise, declaring his works in the same way even greater than an artist's works declare the works of the artist themselves. We see his power last night. How many got hit by the storms last night? All of us. See those things whipping through and knocking trees down and destroying. I mean, we're just seeing the great power, the destructive, the awesome power of our creator. All earth cries out. All earth, the whole, all of creation is crying out. Next we see, if we go down to verse 8, it says this. Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard who has kept our soul among the living and has not let our feet slip. For you, O God, have tested us. You've tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You laid a crushing burden on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, yet you have brought us out to a place of abundance. This is God's people. This is the church gathering. This is a praise. This is a psalm of thanksgiving. And it's God's people coming together in the sense of, uh, think about a feast or, or the Passover or some celebration. They're coming together. They're gathering in the temple. And the psalmist is talking about how God's works are making or praising his name. And then he says, peoples, give praise to him. And we do that every week. We come together and we praise God corporately. And they're saying, even though God has tested us, yet he has brought us out. He has delivered us. And that is the so much the weight of our testimonies, isn't it? Of how God has taken us and, and, and brought us through some very hard times, some suffering, some dark moments, some dark days. And yet, and yet, he brought us out to a place of abundance. It's the testimony of hearing that from God's people. Maybe you are in a place today where you're feeling like God is just not around you. God has left you're feeling depressed, you're feeling hurt, you're feeling numb to life, and that's where God's people come in. And that's where we encourage one another with the testimony of what God is doing. Maybe you don't have anything to testify today. That's okay. Be encouraged. Be encouraged by others. What we have here then it, 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 in, the, uh, in the psalm is at the end, and we don't know if this is David or who wrote this psalm. This one's kind of vague as to know who, who was the author. But verse 16, he says this. After he talks about creation, after he talks about God's people corporately praising, then he says this. Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he has done for my soul. Now the psalmist is saying, now you're going to hear from me. I'm going to tell you what he's done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened, but, God, but truly God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. In the end, blessed be God, because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. The psalmist saying, creation praises God. We come together as a people and praise God, and yet we praise God individually as well. Psalm 71 says, with my mouth, I'm going to tell of your righteous acts, of what you have done for me. Talked about John earlier. John, later in his letter, he pretty much says that. When he, when he introduces his, his first letter to, to the church, he says this. We have seen and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. 
that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also. What we saw, what we heard of Christ, we're just proclaiming. We're just telling the story of what God has done. So this is a very short, we'll call it a sermonette. But I just wanted to start us off with Psalm 66 to show how scripture is full of people declaring. It's, it's written by people who are declaring the works of God. This is one other thing. You may not know, you, you may not feel that you have anything to say, or you may not feel that you're very articulate in, in the way you communicate with people. Let me say this. Now, George was talking about the Carver conversations. We happened to, to attend the other night, and if you didn't get a chance to attend, I know it was a short notice, but, but these are on video, and you can access them, and so you could sit in the, in the quiet of your home and watch it. I would really encourage you to watch them. Um, this one from Friday night, there was, one, there was three journalists, um, or they were, in, they were in social media. One, David French, said this. He was talking about journalists and uh, the media today, and he said this, most journalists today are lawyers. And what they do, instead of reporting, they persuade. They're wanting to persuade you of their view, and they're pushing their view on you. He said, what I try to do as a journalist, I try to report. I try to, to, to come from my perspective, what I see, and to report and to tell you. I hope I'm doing some justice to his quote, but... but and that's what God is calling us to do. Yes, yes, we have times of persuading one another. But at the very least, at the bottom line, what he's calling us to do is to tell each other, to report what Jesus has done, to report the resurrection, to report what God has done in your life. And that's all we're calling to do for one another. That's what encouragement is, just saying, I don't understand it, but this is what God did for me. And praise God for that. We need to hear from each other. We need to be encouraged. We need to be encouraged in those low places, those times of doubt, those times when we're just ready, ready to quit it all. We need one another. So come now. Didn't ask anybody. Somebody said, do you have anybody lined up? Nope. We're just inviting you this morning to come. You can come to the aisle mics back there, or you can come up to the pulpit here, whatever you're most comfortable. But please come to a mic so that, so that we can hear what God is doing in your life. Come now. Um, my name is Gail Havens, and um, I don't, I wasn't really thinking about what I might say, but I would say that the last three and a half years have been um, sort of difficult, um, not just the pandemic, but the death of my parents and um, the last couple years of our son Bob having his chronic illness is acting up a lot. And um, something that has really sustained me has been praying the Lord's Prayer. And I do feel like it's really true from my own experience that when we have struggles and challenges that the Lord really wants to be at work and is at work. And we need to look to him and sort of welcome what he's giving us rather than fighting against it. And um, 
Mike said we didn't have to say anything profound, so there you go. Not profound, but really, really valuable to me. Uh, it sounded pretty profound to me. <laughs> um, I, I have been struck uh, for many, many years by uh, certain of the Psalms in the Old Testament that uh, a psalmist will say, uh, I'm in a terrible dark place, my Lord, and where are you? Don't you hear me? You know, uh, uh, sometimes it seems almost out of anger, you know, to God saying, why don't you do something? You know, nothing, nothing happens, and yet you see where I am. And how those psalms tend to work structurally is that the psalmist sort of goes through his rant and exhausts himself. And then there's this silence for a little bit. And he says, oh, Lord, uh, forgive me. I, I remember how you led us through the Red Sea and other such recorded miraculous things. And then he returns to a kind of quiet praise. And at some point uh, during these last few years with all our troubles, Jane's uh, in particular, and uh, you know, when you're in the midst of these things, uh, you don't know the end of the story. And it was, it was not clear that I would still today have Jane, you know, and that she would be herself. Um, it's a very sweet thing. But I wanted to tell you a story which actually has a little humor to it as well. I don't remember the exact timing, you know, all these different operations and all these things we went through, but I had left uh, Jane's bedside at the hospital at some point, one of those years, and it had occurred to me that there was something, and I can't remember what little thing it was, that I was pretty sure I could buy at the Snooks there on Clayton Road in uh, uh, Richmond Heights. And I, I thought, it'll make her so happy. It'll be such a cheering thing for her. And I drove you know, there to Schnooks, and I went in there, and they didn't have it. And I, and I came back out to the car, and sitting in the car in the parking lot, and I'm so angry and so distressed. And I said, God, don't you even love her? You know, just a small thing. You can't even do that for her. You know, I was so angry. And then I exhausted myself, just like the psalmist. And I remembered all of our particular Red Seas and all the miraculous things our Lord had done for us when I was sitting there quietly in the car. And this little voice, not a human voice with, you know, uh, the warmth of human blood and so on in, in it, you know, but a voice said, Walgreens. <laughs> Which is right exactly across the street from the Schnooks in Richmond Heights. And I went over there and bought that little thing, whatever it was, you know, and said, Lord, thank you, you saved us again. Recently, I had occasion to go to the doctor, a thing that I find far more frequent these days. 
Um, and I went in, and if you're like me, and hopefully you're not, um, I look around me, and sometimes I'm very distressed by what I see in culture at large. So I go in, and the, I get in pretty quick to the doctor, and he comes in, and the gentleman is, uh, he's Jewish, he has his yarmulke on, he's Orthodox, and I had my little Westminster jacket on, and um, we got to talking, and he says to me, so, what do you think about everything that's going on out there? And I'm thinking, okay, does he mean Westminster, or... So I th I'm assuming he means just the world of junk. So it's looking pretty rough out there. And he says, you know, he said, God is doing this not to punish us, but to correct us. And I spent about 35 minutes with the doctor in an appointment. I mean, how often does that happen? And I came away so encouraged, not because of anything that I had to say or do, but by him and what he had to say to me. Um, and hopefully he's fixed my problem too. So, As you know, I'm um, on the search committee. Uh, and, you know, these meetings that we've had, of course, as, as the committee and then also the healing team and, and all of this has really been... Um, uh, it, a challenge for sure um, and also a, you know a personal challenge to me to th as I'm thinking about what our goals are what what community is what what healing looks like you know what what are we striving for and I'm in a, a women's group and we had um, our leader um, sent us this article. Um, I forgot who it is. I'll tell you at the end because <laughs> I don't want to lose my place right here. But um, anyway, and the the article was specifically about community, what it is, why we, you know, what what scripture says about it, um, and what we're supposed to. Well, what. It was a challenge to, quote-unquote, stay at the table. And so I just wanted to share a little bit about that with you because it meant a lot to me. Um, so the article describes three archetypal um, images of community. The first, of course, is the garden, where we're unashamed, and the unity is... Um, unbroken and beautiful. So the garden gives us this desire and expectation for unity and a lack of shame with one another and freedom there. Um, the second image he writes is um, the revelations. So in the end, the the images sorrow will be undone tears will be wiped away um, you know your your wounds are healed healed and there is this um, incredible joy and that's in community so there's the the garden 
and then this future community, and they both influence our expectations and desires towards what we want right now our community to be. And of course, it's not, <laughs> you know? So no matter how perfect or how, how um, healthy or wise or, you know, whatever your community happens to be, it's never going to be the garden. And it's not yet going to be this thing that we're hoping for. So here we are in this spot. What do we do with that? And he said, okay, well, right in the middle of history, we have another archetypal image of community. And it happened in the Lord's Supper, where Jesus was at the table, breaking bread and pouring wine for unbelievers for people who were bickering over who was the most important of them and denying that they could possibly be the ones who are going to betray him. I mean, that can't be. You know, the, the amount of sin and human frailty that we see in that image is just, I mean, it's in some ways it's shocking, and in other ways it's like, well... Here we are. <laughs> and that's, that's where we are. That's where we are in history. And it's just, there's something so uh, refreshingly um, I, I don't know, uh, just encouraging to me that um, that's what happened during the Lord's Supper, and Jesus stayed at the table. So um, I just wanted to read, I know this, this is long, but um, uh, I wanted to read just two paragraphs uh, from this article, and then I'll go back and tell you where, who wrote it. <laughs> um, and how did Jesus manage to stay at the table? What was his secret? It was the same secret that Jesus taught throughout his ministry. Put ultimate reliance not on yourself or on others, but on God alone. Jesus was not shocked or undone by the dissolution of community that he saw at the Last Supper. He knew human nature. He knew our weakness. And the disciples only demonstrated what he already knew. But we... But he, sorry, he knew something more. He knew that there is a God who is with us more fully than we are with each other. More fully than we are with each other. A God who will keep us together if we will only place our trust in God and not in our own togetherness. To put it sharply, to put it as sharply as I know how, Community is not so much a demonstration of heaven as it is a via negativa, a negative way to God. We will always be disillusioned by community, but in the spiritual life, disillusionment is a good thing. It means losing our illusions about ourselves and each other. 
as those illusions fall away, we will be able to see reality and truth more clearly. And the truth is that we can rely on God, that we can rely on God to make community among us, even and especially when our own efforts fail. By being willing to suffer the failings of community, we give ourselves the chance to draw closer to God. By entering and staying with community, we enroll in the school of the spirit where we learn about the source that sustains our life together. So, you know, as we're doing all these healing meetings and we're searching for our next guy and we're like, the next stage of this is going to be amazing and it's going to be, you know, we're going to figure this out and, you know, who knows, right? Who knows? Um, we're we're going to be those disciples <laughs> no matter what happens in the future. We're going to... And I, I think I just, I want to encourage you and I want to encourage myself that, that we have, we, we get to, to not feel like, we, we, we don't have to believe and our belief does not have to hang on some kind of success here. We, we are gods, and God will do community among us, and um, and I believe. <laughs> okay, this kind of fits along with what Courtney said. Those of you who know me well, I, you know me, I like music, and I'm always listening to all kinds of music. And this one woman has a blog, uh, and she uh, features art and music uh, all year round. I really like her blog. So she brought up this one song. Um, I think it was at Christmas, but... Um, it's sort of a country rock song, and it has lots of stomping and clapping. But it's almost a direct quote <coughs> from Malachi. So I'll just read the... I would sing the song for you, but I'll, I'll send you a link instead. <laughs> um, but for all who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts. My special possession on the day when I act, and I will spare them as parents spare their children who serve them. So I'm just reading a little bit of what she said about this. Her name is Victoria Emily Jones. Um, she says, I love the image in Malachi, this Malachi 4, of baby cows being released from their pens to frolic freely in the fields, to skip and to play. And that song really conveys it really well, uh, which are likened to their joy to God's, <clears throat> sorry, to, to God's redeemed on the last day when the son of righteousness, and it's S-U-N, but she says, of course, we can think of it as S-O-N, the son of righteousness arises on them. 
Um, and then finally, um, she said, "You, um, this Malachi is also quoted, this part of Malachi is also quoted in Hark, the Herald Angels Sing. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. So I found that encouraging when we talk about healing. So he's going to... He rose so that we could have healing. Um, so this song is, um, opens by celebrating how God has made his home among us in the flesh, in the person of Jesus, and then by sending his spirit to reside in those who believe. That's enough. So read Malachi 3 and 4. Good morning. My name is Rose Schulte, and um, I've been a member here at Grace and Peace since uh, 2014, and I'm up here to share my story with you. I'm a survivor of a traumatic brain injury that happened in 1995, and I know I'm only here because of God's mercy and because he can do anything. And I'm here to uh, share my story with you to let you know how it happened and how I'm up here today and to share my story with you. Um, it happened because I was cleaning out the gutters on my roof and the, roof, and the um, ladder I was on broke and I fell. And within that time of healing, I don't remember anything that really helped me. Help, I don't remember being in the hospital. I don't remember the time when I was learning how to walk or when I was learning how to talk again. I just know from what people told me that these were things that I had to learn because I did have a traumatic brain injury. And um, I think maybe God didn't have me know about these things because um, he was merciful, and I was able to learn these things over a period of years. And within that time, I'm just grateful that God has given me this opportunity to be up here and share the fact that I'm alive and that I'm able to continue my life and move forward. And I'm just thankful for God's mercy and his great greatness that he's done for me. Thank you. Most of you know me. My name's Brad Bennington. The last six months have been interesting in my life. <clears throat> I was, had to cut short to walk around Tower Grove Park with Neil because I was feeling pretty bad and I thought it was all related to heart rhythm problems. So I went to see the cardiac physiologist, uh, electrophysiologist. And in fact, he confirmed I had bad heart rhythm problems and said I can do an ablation. So that was done and uh, 
I had to be kept over the, overnight in the hospital. And just prior to discharge, he said, well, we ought to get an echocardiogram, which was an ultrasound of the heart, to just see how your heart's pumping. And indeed, in that, they found that part of my heart wall wasn't working. At which point, they said, it's time for you to get a coronary arteriogram, which sounded crazy to me with my very sky-high, good cholesterol, the amount of exercising I did, uh, and my relative absence of any nastiness uh, in family history. They did, the coronary, uh, they did the coronary arteriogram a couple of days later and almost didn't send me home from the hospital because of the pattern of disease. Within about five days, I was back in the hospital for a coronary artery bypass and replacement of a valve, heart valve. Uh, so I spent my 80th birthday in the uh, cardiac surgery intensive care unit. Had that not been done, I probably would be dead by now because of the uh, pattern of disease that was found. Before I went in, I'd been reading a uh, sort of a fantasy book <clears throat> in which one of the, uh, the main protagonists remembers at a very black point uh, in his experience that his mother kept telling him, he'll always be with you. Sort of in the, when I was having a lot of trouble sleeping in the ICU and really not feeling well in part also because I'd had some injury to the back of my throat during the surgery, I, you know, I said to God, hey, are you there? And somewhat similar to Bruce's experience, I heard the voice, not audible, but in my head, I'm here. And I was able to sleep. God was incredibly merciful to me, uh, brought me through the surgery with, even with complications. And as I said, had I not had the operation, I wouldn't be here now and I wouldn't have been able nearly to walk around uh, Tower Grove Park again last week with Neil. How you doing? <clears throat> I'm Charles. <clears throat> Nice to meet you all. <clears throat> Ever since I've been here, everybody's been so nice to me. And I appreciate that because sometimes <clears throat> that's all you need is somebody just to be nice to you. Um, um, Pastor Mike, he let me do a song today that I had wrote. And God, because God had told me to do that song everywhere I go. And lately I've just been talking to everybody that I come in contact with about God. But... Um, I'm a recovering addict, and God then brought me out of some deep, dark places. Um, um, I've been homeless, um, still basically is, but he didn't, he, he didn't set up shelter with my brother for me. Um, I met a new friend. She's kind, you know what I'm saying, and loving and caring. Um, and then lately I've been... I'm, I'm diagnosed as paranoid schizophrenic, and uh, um, I got a little excerpt of a song, a little passage of a song that I like to sing that explain all of this, because my soul has truly been anchored in the Lord now, because that's all I depend on. You know, I go to treatment programs, I go to mental health, behavioral, and 
I'm just going to sing the song to tell you where I'm at in my life today. Though the storms keep on raging in my life, and sometimes it's hard to tell the nights from deep, but that comfort that lies within is a reassure as I keep my eyes upon that distant shore I know he'll lead me safely to that blessed place he has prepared but if the storms don't cease and the winds will keep blowing, blowing in my life. My soul has been anchored in the Lord. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Last year, um, I found out, first they took my appendix out and they found a tumor in my pancreas. And, um, and so I had to have surgery to move the, the tumor and my whole church was praying for me. I go to Hope Vineyard and this church. And, um, and so I knew they were praying for me and when they pray, they pray. And I know you guys do too from that healing thing you guys were talking about. But, um, so I had to have a second surgery. After they did the first surgery, they tried to remove both the tumors, but one tumor was very big, so they couldn't get it out. So they had to have another surgery to get it out. So, and my stomach was killing me, you guys. My stomach was in so much pain. And, uh, and it still was for a while after the third surgery but they just kept praying and praying, and my stomach does not hurt at all anymore. Amen. Praise God. That is, that is a miracle. It really, really, really is. Let's just take a moment to, to pray and thank the Lord for all that he's been doing in our lives. Lord, we thank you for these testimonies that you are active and, and on the move, uh, that you are near to us and close to us, even, even when we question that, Lord, like Thomas or like folks in the church or in our own hearts. We question it, Lord, and then you appear, and we bless you that you continue to show up again and again and again. Blessed be your name. Amen.